0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello. Welcome to the New Books Network. I am your host on the New Books in Israel Studies channel, Ari Barbalat. Today, I am in dialogue with Dr. Ruth Zofar. She is Co-Head Fellow for the year 2022 and 2023, at the Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. She is also a professor of women's and gender studies, comparative literature, and Judaic studies. We are here today to discuss her book, Life in Citations, Biblical Narratives, and Contemporary Hebrew Culture, published by Routledge 2020. Ruth, it's an honor to be in dialogue with you today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Ari. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you. To begin, please tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? What formative events in your life inspired the scholar you would become as an adult?
1: Um, I was born in Israel. to a family that just arrived in the big wave of immigration from Baghdad in the 50s um, into the Maabara. Maabara was a transitional camp that many Mizrahi Jews, Middle Eastern and North African Jews came to Israel for some for very short time, some for longer time. We were there, I think, two years and moved to others. My father was an engineer, so he was lucky, had a position in the area of Tel Aviv. So we moved slowly towards Tel Aviv and in the end to Tel Aviv and Ramat Gan. I'm the seventh and I'm the first Sabra. So Sabra culture, native uh, uh, um, uh, culture, uh, it was very privileged when I grew up um, especially that all my siblings were born in Baghdad, especially that Baghdad and the Middle East was rejected. So Sabra was kind of in the Israeli Zionist context was a nobility. And the idea of the Sabra was not, as I develop in the book, is not just about being born in Israel, but Sabra culture was a way of appropriating and converting Jews from all over the world into Israeli Sabra culture. Um, I lived in Jamusin before moving. Jamusin was a neighborhood in North Tel Aviv Uh, initially. I mean, it was Palestinian. Then it became more like Middle Eastern. Um, Working class neighborhood, very excluded from the main body of Tel Aviv, and today it's like the highest um, uh, skyscrapers and the, the most expensive real estate in northern Tel Aviv. And Jamusin uh, or Givat Hamal. Uh, we moved to Ramat Gan. That's where I most my formative years were in very good schools, very good. Um, High school, um, actually the best in in terms of the hierarchy of schooling, scouts. um, I was very involved in all this, and then I went to the army. So until then, I'm very good kid, very much uh, consuming uh, the the, the, the culture uh, of appropriation, much more the street, the school, the radio, the media, than the family and the tradition of the house. My family were very involved in the process of acculturation of becoming Ashkenazi. It was very much part of the middle class Iraqi Jews that wanted to be like the the upper class. Um, From the army, uh, which was for me a waste of time, I went to um, Haifa, and Haifa was uh, exactly at the time where uh, many things, many social and cultural um, changes were happening there. It was uh, in the process of radicalization politically, um, in the at the university, there was a lot of emphasis on social science and humanities, on coexistence, leftist uh, um, ideas that came from immigrants, uh, young people from South America, France, uh, Iran, uh, all, all this period that was very um, productive in terms of the exchange between different groups on campus. Um, so, in that sense, Berkeley in graduate school were very much a good continuity in continuation of Haifa. I did two years in Santa Cruz, UC Santa Cruz, where I taught Hebrew. And I did a great job, but I decided I don't want to ju- just do Hebrew. And I went to Berkeley to study uh, first folklore and anthropology, and then continue my PhD in. A combination of Hebrew and culture and how uh, 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 and, and literature.
0: What inspired you to write this book? What message do you hope to convey to readers?
1: Oh, these are two important questions. So, um, just a second. I think um, I I always... Okay, so my work on... Um, My first book was on Karaite Jews. Karaites are readers, Kara. And they're readers from uh, Egypt. They came to the Bay Area. So I started working and trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, and I got really engaged in issues of reading and what is reading, what is literal reading. And for me, it was more important, what is literal reading when it comes to ritual? How the ritual, how the reading, literal reading, transform or translated into ritual practices? And what does it mean? As it happened... I, um, the, 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 the engagement with the, the Karaites and they uh, 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 kind of led me to issues of reading Nida, Nida, the Purity Law of Women and Menstruation. And the overall experience of working with the Karaite was uh, in its essence a way to and and make legitimate uh, Karaites who's been, uh, continuously uh, condemn for uh, uh, being unclean or those who make love with nidot, while well, nidot, the meaning illegitimate, unclean, uh, 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 and kosher. So the, the ideas about the Alachic idea is different. They read it differently. So, Reading was very important to create differences and differences of reading in the time of Rebonite and Karaite was the 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 the, the 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 cultural difference that distinguished between a, a genealogies and a, a understanding of what the Bible is. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. This is fascinating. Okay, so. I wanted to understand the connection between and how they wanted me to study the Nida and I wanted the women and I wanted to understand why, why Nida? I ended up titling the book, The Stains of Culture, uh, Ethno Reading of Kerite Women in the Bay Area. But the idea of the stains is really, how do you deal with the condemnation of impurity that goes to generation? And what is the rationale of reading and how do you explain it to the Karait themselves, but also to others? as a a way of representation. And I developed the idea of ethno-reading, how to read the others, and as opposed to ethnographic, ethnography kind of based on the writing of culture, in the writing of culture as a production of the other. And I wanted to shift the, the, the emphasis on reading and what kind of uh, 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 and, and diversify the notion of reading, especially of minorities. How do we read others? Me as non um coming to a community with all my privileges and with all my lack of understanding of the community, the, the, the organic knowledge and how to understand it, uh, 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 but what it will be the right reading of their culture. What so Textuality was very important to me then and the engagement with the Bible. So in in, in that sense, it was very easy to move from that and issues of textuality and textual culture to study sacred text and what the privileged text does to consciousness and how it has been privileged within Zionist uh, 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 ideology and what, what can we learn from these a reading, from special reading of this text in contemporary culture.
0: What are the primary themes in your book? What argument does your book advance?
1: So within Zionist reading and within what I call life with the Bible or the, the Bible as a pro- providing a habitat, as a space, and what I developed later into the breadscape, I put the Hebrew reader, the reading subject, or the, the reading Hebrew subject at the center. And I'm not talking about religious Jews, I'm not talking about settlers, I'm not talking about traditional, even those, I'm talking about those Israelis who define themselves as, as secular or different degrees or different variations of secularism. As continuation of the sabra in 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 contemporary culture, um, so it's important to see. So so reading in that sense is important. Uh, reading biblical text is tempo. It, it has important temporality. We want to understand the time in which we are talking about specific interpretation, because of course they are contextualized and impacted by time. So. I'm reading four books, very close reading of four na- biblical narrative, And in each of them, there is a major phenomena or, or a, a argument that I'm developing. The first one is the story of the... Um, Moses and the spies, sending them to uh, to tour the land of Israel when they're in the desert, kind of discouraged, want to go back, not clear, and uh, Moses sending the twelve spies. Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. Um, so, in the story of the the, the spies, um, I highlight the tragedy of binarism how binarism produced certain kind of knowledge <coughs> and the tragedy of this kind of knowledge. Um, I'll come back to it. Sarayin, Hagar, and Ishmael as the construction of otherness and otherness associated with violence. So how this violence and otherness are uh, kind of emerge from these uh, 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 Hagar, and Sarah Conflict and Ishmael. The story of the akeda, the sacrifice, and the lingering ethos of victimhood and covenant go together. So this is in Genesis 22. And in the end, I'm talking about trauma and hunger and reconciliation in the Book of Ruth. I'm trying to show what... The Bible solution to trauma, and how can we learn from it in local, but also in what you mentioned before, the international, more uh, 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 broader perspective. So, to that, uh, uh, to that reading. So, I'm doing my reading after critiquing reading as a, 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 a as a mass produce. Uh, 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 ideas which I will develop. And um, I'm looking for reactions from language, from popular discourse, from literature, art, from films. Um, and we see how these work together, how a specific cultural tradition of reading turns a, a, a to the center, the the, the constitutive center of the reader. Um, So that, but also it tells us the the, the horizon and the space, uh, ideological horizon and space of reading. What is reading in the intersection, dynamic intersection of gender, race, ethnicity, religion? So it's not only what we read, it's not how we read it's also what how we cannot read what is prohibited from us or how it is prohibited uh, uh, as prohibited uh, uh, prohibiting us to read with whom can we read how do we act how do we come to the act of freedom so kind of saying seeing reading not as a final product but a, 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 a space that produce all the time new possibilities. And so I was very interested in that and how to connect it to, um, uh, uh, to these narratives. So there are several layers of, of my work here. It's a very quantitative work so it's not if israelis have connection to the bible and if we are the people of the bible i'm not asking that this is obvious because that's how israelis see themselves but i'm i'm i'm, I'm looking at the extent of identification with the content of this narrative? To what extent we reenact narratives, biblical narrative? So it's a question of quantity. How, it's an economic question. How do we measure it, this kind of identification with the Bible, the extent to which we become biblical uh, figures from the Bible? So it's an economy of identification, relationship with identity, that uh, uh, send me to study subjectivity and how it is manifested in uh, 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 as affect, as emotional uh, uh, passion, as investment, emotional investment in biblical narrative and the the response to these uh, 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 investment it will also determine the economy of belonging. To what extent we feel belong? Through the discourse of the Bible, through the shared language around the Bible, through the processing of signification and uh, symbolism, I will feel like I, I I belong. I belong not only to a community, I belong to language, to land, to nation, to the past, to history, and to the future. So the, 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 the Bible promises a lot. There's a, a lot that for Israelis, especially for Israelis, and I don't know if you ask a question about how it is different from American Jews or from. Other cultures. I mean, I think the fact that Israelis uh, came to Israel, the the the, the Zionist, uh, uh, the decision to use Hebrew as the language, the uh, the Israeli language, uh, made the Bible very much like kind of a possession or a, 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 an important part of. A, a, daily life, and the relationship with the language kind of built up on this kind of comfort that we can engage with the language, we can engage with the land, with the, the, the map, we can engage with the, the, the imagination and the consciousness of the prophets walking the land or the Maccabees, or, you know, it's all there, and we can actually mimic certain uh, uh, aspects of that um so in 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 the the way that ideology developed this kind of uh, 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 the, cent- the centering of the bible in uh, national discourse it also created a certain kind of national uh, uh, um a national a ethos, a, a part of liberal and Democrat culture. So to speak about the Bible is not, doesn't make me uh, religious. Doesn't make me a person, old fashioned person. On the contrary, the ability to introduce themes from the Bible in everyday discourse, in the media, in the endless website that are emerging from the uh, uh, online, of people engaging with biblical narrative, and in the fact that you can buy your own verse and be part of a huge network in the world of owning one aspect of the Bible, you can buy it as gift for other, and you own a verse in the Bible. This is a project of Netanyahu, as if Tell me what your verse and I'll tell you who you are, the, the, the incredible connection between identity and reading and and uh, the, the symbolic process. Um, so written word, the, the the sanctification of the Bible is happening all the time, is happening. My name is Ruth, uh, the, the names of the street the invocation, not only in terms of name, but invocation of narratives in everyday life is so excessive uh, that um, is is part of this shared language. It's part of, so, so I'm talking about liberalism, I'm talking about it, but I want to mention the consumption around biblical industry and how it creates a certain, continuously creates performance and practice that invent all kind of accessories and ritual and spaces uh, that uh, emerge from uh, uh, this life, you know, this, uh, with, with the Bible. It doesn't matter if you go, if a woman wants to give birth and she goes to the shrine of Rachel uh, uh, to, to pray and then the, the the payment and and and, and from that to uh, all kind of uh, uh, objects and uh, gifts. So, did I answer your question?
0: Oh, that was superb. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank okay. you.
1: So, you ask for specific arguments, and I'll say um, some of them because I think they uh, will give you a clearer idea of what I'm doing in. Uh, so within the, the, I'm talking about citation, life in citation, so life in citation in the habitat of biblical narrative, citing and living within, dwelling within the Bible is such a comfort, is such a place. It's not a, just an abstraction, but it provides a, 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 a mental a space of um of of becoming of formation of a uh, being in an ontological sense the Hebrew by, the Hebrew subject um um in in that sense is um when when i think about let me um so so when i talk about citation and citationality and how um, to to come to it with more critical, um, based on writers like Derrida and Austin and Butler, and and in the event in the uh, in in uh, to, to, to think about the uh, uh, the the event as a reference of reference of representation of representation right kind of performance that um, uh, that that according to butler it is in the relationship to language and the making the the reading concrete enactment uh, they actually structure the the, fo- the the fakeness the social fakeness of our interiority and that's uh, uh, borrowed from butler when she talks about gender gender is a, a cultural construct reading is a cultural construct that is, is based on the same kind of idea of performativity and imitation, and to a certain extent, some newness, right? Change that introduce within the citation, the, the, the new citation, and they can uh, 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 satisfy our psychological deep uh, psychological need. So citation reproduce the text and reproduce ourself. And this reproduction is committed to the, uh, the the ritual of production of national, territorial, patriarchal, uh, uh, all the hierarchies that are invested in this kind of construct of reading, like quoting the rabbis, quoting specific rabbis, quoting right special uh, 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 aspect of the narrative. Um, so we are not only reading, following Butler, we are, enacting it. So we do the Bible. So we can say in the same way that we do gender, and gender is a performance that is enacted, we are actually doing the Bible, and which relies on the text and the privilege relation of the national institution of intertextuality and the production of daily meaning uh, that associated with it. So we continuously create, uh, invent meaning, but intertext are really what mobilize this kind of narrative in everyday, li- in everyday uh, life. Um, I Thanks. have several uh, examples about yeah. how this kind of production of relationship with the Bible is so common in the internet today. So when, when I talk about say, citation in Hebrew, there is a certain kind of pattern in noun, following the morphology of certain kind of fruit that create uh, diseases. Name of disease. So, for example, for uh, um, 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 I'm, I'm trying to be to say something that is like relevant to. So if um, the the rabies of dogs in Hebrew called kalevet. Kalev is a dog. Kalevet is a disease that comes from dog biting. Um, hepatitis is yellowing of the liver. So it's yellow. So if you put tzahov is yellow, but zahevet is the hepatitis. Um, diabetes is sugar. So sakeret is diabetes, so the, the root, sukar, sugar, and you put it on this aelet, a pattern, and it becomes a disease. So I'm calling this tzatetet. Tzatetet is citationality. Tzatetet is to cite. Tzatetet is this idea of obsessive citationality, is the continual continual uh, uh, re, re, uh, uh, enactment of intertext and references within references as a, a, a roadmap for israelis in their a, 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 a dialogue um, a, a, and 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 uh, the the um, the the, expo- the extra uh, the the, um, the the pathological aspect of the Tzatetet is when uh, uh, you, you you become it, it becomes obsessive that the burden, the, the I call it the uh, uh, signifying burden, the burden to of, of symbols in the culture is uh, becoming so loaded and so uh, 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 referential that actually it starts to be like a heavy weight. If you see a train, it's associated with Holocaust. If you see a certain kind of image, it reflects a certain kind of swastika. There is is an immediate automatic interpretation that is associated with the cultural dictionary that skip the context, skip it's actually totally decontextualized, and it's what Amos Funkenstein, someone that I really appreciate his um, um, his contribution to Jewish thought, uh, uh, that um, uh, that talks about collective memory, memory, and he talks about topocentric, how narratives became uh, topocentric. And what does topocentric mean? That in a cultural vocabulary, uh, fragments uh, of narrative institution and historical event have been reduced rather than producing historical critical consciousness. uh, it's enough if I'm telling you, a land that devours its people. Okay, of course it's happening. The land that devours its people. And we know both what I'm talking about, even though I'm talking about tax, I'm talking about new law, or I'm talking about uh, uh, the, the, the situation in the roads and the, uh, the accidents, right? And uh, as, a, as a speaker, I will tell you, yeah, of course, Israel is becoming a land that devours its people. And I said, aha, you know, there is a certain kind of agreement. So this topocentric became the fragments of the narrative. There are the prototypical principles of of narrative. I don't need to say anything, but I just say akeda, the sacrifice, and we both know what we're talking about. So we don't need to go to the whole narrative. Because this is a very problematic this is where this kind of referential system become very uh, 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 problematic because uh, uh, not only because it's reduced narrative and decontextualize them but because it creates a certain kind of sense of shared understanding which is not always shared and false consciousness, collective consciousness, but also it's very selective. You choose very few fragments of the culture and you, based on that, you create a certain kind of linearity or timeline and a claims a, a about a culture and deeper meaning. I want to go back to this idea of um, arguments because I... I, I think what I found in the narratives um, is is um, is what I, I what I what I saw there. After claiming that reading has to be more singular, more precise, more focused, more uh, diverse, I went to the material and then I found amazing stuff there. So if you go again to the story of the Moses sending uh, uh, the the spies, and I call it the drama of binarism uh, or the drama of um, milk and honey and a land that devours its people. I, I can One can read it as ethnographic text, kind of Moses sent his 12 people as ethnographers, go to the land, come tell me what it is. But it doesn't say, tell me what it is. The binary, the tragedy of binary is is manifested by the way that Moses asks them the question. The model of questioning. He tells them, uh, "Is it good or bad? Is the people are the people strong or weak? Is uh, is the land?" Uh, fat or, or uh, lean. Uh, and according to this question, they're supposed to produce knowledge. So knowledge that is produced, according to this question, is very binary. is just about blessing or cursing. And this is what we have. When they come back, they have these two possibilities, a land that devours its people and a land that of milk and honey. And how In this both, in this dichotomy, uh, one needs to be able to find uh, the the possibilities of um, imagining the new land, right? Kind of three words, three words. Is it possible that the land that devours, that the land of milk and honey will become a place where ideologically it will be so saturated that Honey will become sticky and milk will be the drowning uh, 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 place of flowing of the the mind? Is it possible that it's not just about the ultimate uh, 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 pleasure uh, that honey and uh, and milk can produce in the, the most... Phantasmagoric, uh, you know, a uh, 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 way towards that will create the the symbol of uh, ultimate uh, pleasure and well being. This is where Shoshana, Shababo story comes, where she, she has a story about honeymoon. And in this story, she calls it honeymoon, so she even built on honey as a honeymoon of the lovers. But it's a story about um, Zalman, who is good for nothing, and um, Mazal, who is a Yemenite uh, woman working in the cafe. And the mother who is like obsessed with bees and the the music of the bees. And so there is a lot of production of honey around. And... so the mother is kind of uh, racist. She doesn't want Zalman to marry a Yemenite woman. And the way that Shababo described the Yemenite woman, she's heavy. She's she's not attractive. Now the mother is not attractive. Zalman is not attractive. He's like real Zalman, you know, in the sense of someone who is feeble-minded. Uh, but in the end, it's all uh, uh, works well, and they become the the the, the love overcome all the obstacles and the bees and the music of the honeymoon of the mother from the past and the production of the bees and the aroma of the bees and all this stickiness of the honey become the space of the stories. Kind of a parody of Zionism and parody on this idea of what is honey and how honey can become even in its extreme the opposite of the meaning of the promise. the, the land land devours its people is more problematic because again both turn both a, 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 a honey and a, and milk and a land that devours its people both are about consumption and the food the root of eating and the 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 the, the provision and and they, they can tell us how complex provision can be through narrative. And this is where the story of the Akedah comes in and tells us, so I'm moving from the binarism of Moses and the dichotomy to the story of the Akedah. And talking about the Akedah, a kind of some a narrative that is so deep in the consciousness of Israelis and the history and the way Israelis interpreted history as... As, as as a as a, um, a, a, a around the, the 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 altar around what's happening in the the sacrifice, and I'll not go too much into it because I I think there is a lot to say about it and I devote um, time to it. But I'm asking in the end, um, when it comes to reading, what is uh, who is the good reader who who um, what is the ultimate reader um and what is saturated reading what is over? Like if we talk about the the honey and the milk, what is a land flowing with milk and honey? What is a land overflowing with milk and honey when it comes to the referential system, when it comes to too much milk, when it comes to the analysis of Tnuva? Tnuva as a national uh, company that produces milk and the milk as a national uh, eugenic uh, um, milk uh, liquid associated with the class with a consumption with specific native culture, it came from the halal and the the Moshevim, and it's kind of so grounded in the history of the pioneers to become one of the most problematic corrupted company today that sold it's, uh, 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 um, that that, that sold it's, the business to China, but not only that, tries to build on the idea of the milk, uh, milk um, road in the stars as part of other layer of milk, you know, and how to, to move, uh, reaches the, uh, the, 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 the the stars. So going back to the Akhada, like who is the reader? Uh, what does it mean to listen or to obey the text? What does it mean to obey the text in the context of the sacrifice? What, what is good now? I'm talking obey because I feel like I was a very good Israeli reader. I was uh, indoctrinated in the certain kind of uh, reading and literature that taught me has taught me how to be a good Israeli. And reading, and this goes to the culture of Hebraization rather than Zionism, but I'll come to it. I want to stay for a second with the issue of the Akedah. and And so I feel like I was a reader, and I was an obedient reader. And... Um, so what does it mean, how to be obedient reader and not to become the victim of the akeda? Is it possible? Because I'm saying that um, actually when, when it comes to who is the victim of the akeda, when you read the story of the akeda, who is the victim of the akeda? the real victim? So working on the sacrifice, I concluded that the real victim in Genesis when we read it today, is neither Abraham, as Jewish tradition and philosophy have maintained, Abraham, who is like Hegel, say, kind of wandering in the world, or Abraham, who had to uh, uh, follow and be the the one who was tested by God. It's not Isaac, the young generation of post-Holocaust Hebrew, as the young generation of post-Holocaust Hebrew writers have opined, So kind of all the sacrifice, all the Holocaust is based on this premise of that Kedah. Of course, we have to sacrifice our children. This is exactly, and then when it's not only the Holocaust but the wars and the wars, uh, independent war and the other wars, like how to think about them as to justify them, not to justify them because they needed to happen, to justify the internal logic that is provided by the story of Abraham, kind of internal logic that makes sense, makes certain sense. I'm saying it's not Isaac. It's not Sarah as feminist uh, claim, the woman who behind and she's actually the the victim. No, and it's not even the lamb as the poet Yehudah suggests, or as the endless, colorful, aestheticized uh, uh, art of Menashe Kadishman, right? Uh, are you familiar with him? The, the the continuously trying to create, many many ways the same like the, the draft of Yitzhak or I will try again. I will try with different color, with red mouth, with but very aesthetically appealing. So I'm, not, I'm saying they are not this, they are not that, they are not that. The real victim of the of the, 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 the akeda is the modern Hebrew reader, especially the native. The reader of the narrative becomes the, the victim. Once you're reading, once you're reading from a specific perspective, once you are a, a, in the domain of depth economy, depth economy of the narrative, the demand of the text as it is circulated and imagined, then you are the victim. And it is an imperative to internalize and identify with its message of obedience and read it as if you are part, closely implicated, whether as Abraham or his son, whether as Sarah, whether as the Lamb. And some people talk now about environmental issues, you know, the, 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 that were around. So, reading from an ideological saturated position implicates the reader of the story, the reader of the story within textual metrics and its genealogy especially with the trauma of the Holocaust and wars and kind of the logic is provided. So this metrics is very much part of what we internalize as we are the eternal survival offspring of Jewish culture. And that's what mobilized this narrative.
0: Can you explain the concept of Ivarut? What does it mean? How is Hebrewness presented in contemporary Israeli literature as described in your book?
1: So I developed the concept, especially uh, inspired by working on uh, the book of Anton Shamas, this incredible piece that is going to come up now in new edition new public uh, from UC press um i think it's coming next month um anton shamas book arabesques um incredible contribution to hebrew literature anton is palestinian he lived uh, first in Fasuta, uh, northern Galilee village, and then in Haifa, and now he's my colleague in the comparative literature department. He's actually emeritus now. What I saw very much in the book, and what I see in Mizrahi uh, study and with Mizrahi uh, works, and in the work of Mizrachim in my book, and I'll come back to it now, is the incredible investment in the project of Hebrew, making Hebrew, making turning the 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 the, the turning the the, the Israeli the, the galut into a Hebrew space and i'm referring to the mass production of an engagement of writers educators, uh, the media, journalism, all the the cultural uh, 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 mechanism of the first 50 years, maybe 40 kind of really accelerated in uh, narratives of uh, Hebrew narrative, in singing, in media, in news, in every uh, aspect and how through the Hebrew, you acquire identity. So through so reading and reading Hebrew stories and Hebrew narrative, Moshe Shamir, Sami Chizhar, all, all the, all the canonic literature that was produced, and it was very much, many of them, Sami Chizhar maybe is an exception, but many of them were very engaged in the ideological, enlisting a certain kind of ideology in favor of creating this cohesive intensified mechanism of turning the reader, the the foreign reader, the reader who comes from all cultures, who comes from different uh, 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 spaces, into a Hebrew speaker, a Hebrew consciousness. So this mechanism, I would say, was as strong as Zionism. This is, and, and in many ways, I think it should be emphasized, what we see in Arabesque and the effect the that of Arabesque is I'm trying to show in Arabesque how Anton is a product of Hebrew culture in many ways. He, he, he was educated and uh, his Hebrew, like when he when the book came out, everyone was saying his Hebrew is better than our writers. He's engaged with the tradition of intertextuality more than our writers, he could, he could cite the Midrash, he could cite and he could invent even words in Hebrew. He was so, his, 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 the book is amazing and, and the person, but um, so what I saw there is, is is a way in which the Palestinian writer talks to the Hebrew in their own language, but he, he's doing something, a strategy, very important. He's arabesquing the reader. So in this competing, competing strategies, he's able to arabesque us, meaning to draw us into a certain kind of a, a, like the arabesque, you know, the model of a, a maze that it takes you to different a, a, a possibility, different roads. And within the culture and the consciousness of uh, Arab culture, Palestinian narrative, he's trying to provide us the, uh, the, the, the narrative of the Palestinian that otherwise will not be able to identify and to relate to. So there is a very interesting uh, 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 engagement here with Hebrew as the best Hebrew And many people say, and Tony is like the best, uh, uh, I don't have the quote in front of me, but the the raving, like some people say it's impossible that the Palestinian wrote this book. Uh, 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 Maybe there is a mistake and maybe it's actually a different person. There was really engagement and and awe in these phenomena of Arabesque. But I think this idea of Arabesking the reader and the consciousness or in po- po- providing a Palestinian narrative in Hebrew that will introduce you uh, to the Palestinian consciousness is a very powerful technique and he does this with love. He says there is a quote there that you have to do it with love. And there is a, 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 a even say that a, if you do it with love, that, and it's not the only um, post-colonial text that is provided with love to the reader, to the colonizer reader, in order to be able to keep the, the, the attention of the energy and the, the empathy to be able to create an empathic reading, which otherwise is not allowed in Hebrew, or was not allowed in a certain time in Israeli culture. So how much do we identify with who we identify, with who we are not allowed to identify, all kind of imperatives of the culture that pave the road of, uh, of, of the Hebrew reader as a way to create a certain kind of collective memory, consciousness, etc. So if root is Hebraization, is through Hebrew your identity is constituted. What does your book
0: teach us about trauma?
1: Okay, thank you for this question. I'll go to the narrative of fruit. Um, so I read the book of fruit. Maybe I should, I, I want to conclude the Akedah because I sure. would like to go back to... <clears throat> so I talked about... Palestinian writing, I I also want to uh, introduce the Mizrahi uh, approach to certain kind of uh, reading and their suggestions. So in many ways, Shelly el Kayam, a poet and scholar in Jerusalem, very important in uh, Jewish philosophy, she actually suggests a new covenant so how is it possible, how many years a man can pace among the pieces of the covenant and the, sten- the scent the, the smell of the covenant is, no, the smell of the covenant is stronger than the smell of the car- carcasses. And she's referring to a poem by uh, the Brit of Abraham um, um, among the pieces when he is uh, instructed to uh, cre- to batter to um, chop animals and put them in the sun and said to what how many years we can the 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 carcasses of the covenant uh, uh, and the smell of it will be muted in comparison to the uh, smell of the covenant and what the covenant is promising us and with this We're talking about bodies and the akeda and the the different sacrifices, the whole sacrifice that we are talking about, not only in Abraham in Genesis 16, but all through history. At what time we can start to think about the covenant and the price, at what stage we can talk about new covenant. Can we, as feminist women, write a new covenant? Can we start to think about some 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 alteration of the way that we think about this idea of relationship with God and the price that we are paying for this incredible uh, 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 um, roof that he he, he you know, the, the 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 chesed that he's promising us, the 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 grace, how how to do it? So we do have different voices that are asking uh, for some change, for a, a, a radical change. Um, we know, we all know the the the, the uh, another uh, uh, photographer, a piece of art by Adiness. So El Kayam uh, originally is from Rod, um, Sephardic Jew. Mizrahi. Um, but Adines is a Persian from Kiryat Gat, really from the periphery of Israel. And he has is uh, very famous for his photographer, staged photography. He did The Soldier, he did The Last Meal, and he did Biblical Narratives. In 2004, he did the Famous narrative of Abraham and Isaac, and in a shopping cart, in a, a, a cart, a, 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 in 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 the end of the day, Abraham with rag ragged clothes and Isaac in inside the shopping cart and kind of walking in the dark of the a, a, a evening with bags and plastic bag in the bag, so kind of very. Um, a, a gloomy picture of the Isaac of Abraham and Isaac, and in many ways talking about the Mizrahi sacrifice and victimhood. I'm talking about not the sub I'm talking about the sub The sub at The bottom of the altar are the mizrahim The Mizrahi is, uh, whose efforts are not doesn't don't count. Who is Uh, um, uh, devoured by the text, but still uh, rejected from the culture, rejected from, as a reader, as intellectual, as someone who can contribute to culture, kind of, uh, um, and how this card, and the shopping card, the supermarket card, kind of reintroduce the narrative of the akeda. As um as the, 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 the uh, kind of we are lost in consumption, we are lost in the sacrifice, uh, not just as food and knife of the machelet, but all the cultural heritage, everything that we consume, uh, 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 that we buy, that we steal, that we devour, that we copy, this is the result of it, the wandering, the aimlessness, the the the, the, the homeless. A, a people that it has produced. And this is the modern Abraham. This is Adim articulation of Abraham today in 2004. So very different from the rabbis and from the privileging of Abraham as obedience. Look what happened to them. And it's very important because you can compare it to other shopping cart, but you can also talk about um, how we actually lost direction, how we we, we are not a, a, any longer, we don't belong because this card and the wandering of the card kind of show the, the, the opposite of any kind of belonging. This, the last part about the akeda is Albert suissa And suissa very brilliant writer, in Jerusalem, grew up in a poverty a, a, a neighborhood in Jerusalem. He wrote this incredible book that is not fully translated yet. Akud, akud mean from the Akedah, is the 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 bound, the sacrificed. But what what Swissa does in his novel is like all his characters are constantly citing biblical narrative. They are the biblical narrative in the neighborhood, in the street, in the trashy streets. They are poor, they have nothing. They have their own kind of uh, male leadership. They have all kind of very bottom uh, 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 um, resources, but they all cite different biblical narrative and they kind of reflecting on them as a greed of who they are and what they do, and they are like bound within the text. Now, it's not that they know the text; they 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 create reinterpretation of the text as poor kids, as kids who are interested in sexuality, as uh, kids who are trying to understand the word through the Bible, and um, so so how. For for Swissa, this is really an incredible work. But it's also lately he's talking more about he just published an article in the connection to Ishmael and how the Ishmaelite woman who uh, uh, wanted to steal him he is telling a biographical story. The milk of the Ishmaelite ties together. It tries to ties together to Ishmael and uh, and to his biography and how. Mizrachim have been rejected from the Abrahamic lineage as the Ishmaelite, and very much like Ishmael and Hagar being rejected, being tortured, Hagar, being sent to the desert twice. Um, And actually, to identify with Ishmael as the Mizrahi experience that uh, uh, was not... A, a, a part of the core of what we call Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the the core of Israel. So, how Islam and Hagar are much closer to um, to to the uh, idea of, um, of 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 uh, the biblical narrative, and how not to ins- how to insist that um we' are closer to them and it's not about rejection and the invention of otherness I'm not going to describe all the analysis that they do there it's uh, very um important and and uh, detailed so I'm going to send you to the chapter and and, and read uh, the analysis of um keda um I want to go to the story of Ruth. So we all know the story, and how the the the, the most um, celebrated aspect of the story is Ruth um, following Naomi and her speech. Wherever you'll go, I'll go. Your God is my God. The kind of very full um, um, in corp- in inclusion. In in that sense, kind of how she includes herself within the the the, the, the tradition identity, kind of uh, became a text of conversion, text of feminist reading, love reading, and and kind of this is love, this is what love does. But I, I'm reading the story of Wood. As a continuation of the story of Moab, ten generation, and I'm putting it in the context of total trauma, very inspired by the Holocaust, saying the Holocaust never ended. We are we are still in reverberation of the trauma of the Holocaust. So, and trauma is lingering. Trauma has its own way of working on our mental and psyche and unless there is a major change so the trauma of Sodom and the story of Lot leaving Sodom and his inability to live and he's like I cannot leave, and I'm afraid and they have to take him by the hand and Lot is the most unable in that sense um, but very traumatized and so, so with that history to reintroduce Ruth within the context of hunger, destruction of her people and annihilation, and uh, the death of her husband, her fourth, uh, her brother-in-law, and her father-in-law. So all, all these kind of weighing on Ruth as a as a psyche, as a subject, and um, so she's coming. Uh, to, um, with Nomi to Bethlehem, and um, it's all symbolic and beautiful. And I want just to focus on four or five verses uh, of the dialogue between Boaz and Ruth uh, sure. when, when he tells her this chapter three or two in verse 10. And she tells, she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found favor in thy sight that uh, thou shouldn't take a cognizize a cogniz- of me seeing I am a foreigner? how, how why, why do you do that to me? You don't know me and I'm a foreigner. And foreigner in the full sense of being a foreign, right? Like I'm not... Uh, uh, I don't deserve to be included in the way that you included me. And she's referring to Boaz uh, providing her space in the, among the gleaners and uh, uh, kind of protecting her. And he tells her, um, I have fully been told, I will just paraphrase say, it, it was told to me who God, uh, who Godly, everything that you did to your mother-in-law after the death of your husband and you left your father and mother and the land of your people and you walked, you came to the people that you don't know before. Kind of, he's, he's starting to tell her her story. And so there is a very powerful exchange here that she's asking very clearly and very honestly why do you do that i'm a foreigner why why that and he's telling start, start, starting to tell her about her and her story kind of full acknowledgement of her story and it was told to me and i know it and i'm going to tell it to you and then he said, the lord recompense thy work, your act, and it will reward you, complete reward from the Lord, kind of three rewarding. He will pay and your, your, your reward will be double perfect, Shalem, like sh- Yerushalayim, Shalem, Shlomo, all this root that is like fully perfect. Uh, from the God uh, that you came and uh, under my refuge. So he's giving her the most important blessing. And then she say, uh, uh, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for that time has comforted me. And that you've spoken to the heart of the handmaid, though I be no not as one of thy handmaids you talk to me not as 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 to a handmaid but you talk to me uh, to my heart and actually she is comforted so then he offers her the bread that he made for her the kind of the pita and uh, that he made with vinegar so this is this is amazing moment and I'm Paying attention to it because what's happening here is like when we talk about trauma, a kind of full acknowledgement of one's story. I see you. I see you. I hear your story. I understand where you're coming from. You're a but I know who you are. You're not a foreigner once I know your story, right? That's the essence of re- reading and understanding stories. And then incorporate God and say, God will, will pay you kind of any kind of compensation. Here we're talking about compensation from God, right? But full compensation, not partial. Full compensation, meaning totality that is associated with the act, with the meaning of the act. And what does she say to him when he ends up this kind of speech and kind of very clearly acknowledged unambiguously, right? With full, eh, 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 fully, she say, you comforted me. You comforted me. So what is is mm-hmm. able to be comforted. She's able to hear him. She's able to see that she's being seen. It's a, it's a very powerful moment. And that makes me less, you talk to my heart in a way that I'm not anymore the handmaid like all of them. I You you kind of excluded me from what I was before. And the result, the final result of all this is that in the next verse when he makes her the the, the food, she sits and she ate and she had enough and she had a fill and Vatotar, and she had left over. So Ruth is able, and this is the completion of the trauma. She ate, she had enough savannah like in the prayer, right? Kind of, I had my fill, I don't have lingering hunger in me. I don't have, I don't need more, I don't need extra. I'm not in a pathology, a body that needs more and more. I don't need these overfeeding, right? And uh, 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 if, if we can think that the Bible is able to provide a solution for the trauma, um, here is the not only that she ate, but she's able to have a leftover and take it to Nomi. So Nomi shares in this bread. So it's a shared healing. And here I see how the Bible is engaged. Now, it doesn't mean that, uh, uh, that we can do it so often. It doesn't mean that it's like, but this is a solution that the Bible gives to trauma. To historical trauma, and from that, the place of Ruth as the the the, the top seat of the uh, the matriarch of the, the the David and the Messiah is very clear. The kind of full inclusion, but this full inclusion is possible with the apology, with the understanding of what happened, and with the acknowledgement. A kind of political moment in the life of Ruth when Boaz seize her and acknowledge her narrative
0: you note the comment by the israeli literary commentator baruch kurtzweil that after auschwitz it is impossible for the author to invite guests for a meal what is meant by this observation how does it relate to broader themes in your book
1: so within citation and biblical narrative and narratives as provision narrative as food and also the sacrificial knife of Abraham is also from the same root it's a, it's a knife so mm-hmm. so the root of provision and all kind of provision are the essence of these narratives so eating and the, the whole Um, space the whole that's why i called the 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 space the discursive space that open of interpretation the discursive space of interpretation, a breadscape, because I, I, I saw it connected to to bread and to pachlema of agnon and to the pita shlema of uh, Ilyas Khouri and Anton. Kind of in Palestinian culture, there is the pita, and pita shlema is Anton pita, as opposed to pita shlema of agnon, that is like the 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 meal, the heavenly utopic meal. Kurzweil is, is helping us to understand the place of food and the place of meals in Jewish consciousness, replacing the poem that Adorno is talking about. After Auschwitz, one cannot write a poem, Theodore Adorno, Baruch Kurzweil is coming very important uh, uh, critical uh, mind, very he did amazing contribution. He, he contributed tremendously to the study of Hebrew literature and to philosophy. So, so he's replacing the, po- the production of poetry with food, with meals, with a feast. After Auschwitz, one cannot invite people to a meal and of course we're going back to the meal in hasidism and the meal that people you know the the incredible centrality of food and mazon and the connection between mazon food and zion the the pinas as 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 a, as, as a vous, you know, all the idea of multiplicity from the same root. So, how to replace the poetry and the poetry production, not because it's not important, but because within Jewish culture, within the the way that the that Baruch Kurzweil is talking about, within with in connection to the work of Agnon is uh, we are talking about uh, the inability to invite uh, uh, people to meal because the meal as the social uh, community uh, that bind people, God, land, food, all the the association of food within the culture, this is the center and this is what is mourned or need to be mourned or what need to be Um, re-articulated or re-thought after Auschwitz.
0: What insights does your book reveal about mythification? How does mythification play out in Israeli poetry in dialogue with the Bible? And can you also explain what the concept of mythification is for listeners who might not be familiar with it? How does mythification unfold in the Israeli literary context?
1: Um, Well, There is so much to say about it. In many ways, saturated reading is production of myth, is the story of David as opposed to Goliath. The Maccabees, right? The heroism, patriotism, all all the the culture that is built around power and around... Uh, we are small again, a few against the many. All all these narratives, of tumbledor, all all these narratives that we adopted and from history, and we magnify them, and we created. A, 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 they they catch such a, a, a huge space in our imagination. In many ways, the. The opposite of mythification is what one of my poets, again Mizrahi, Ali Bachar, asked in one of these poems, he asked for okel meduyak, precise food. Even in Hebrew it doesn't sound like a common Formulation, ochel meduyak, precise, exact food against the overfeeding and against the underfeeding, overfeeding of myth, underfeeding of truth, underfeeding of certain narrative, overfeeding of against these uh, uh, distorted categories and the the, the 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 distorted economy of the categories like uh, you know, Michai, uh, last po- poetry collection, patuach patuach. it's open, close, open, and it's not open and it's not close and it's not open close and, and, and it's all and it's none and against all this ability to, and, and a lot of engagement with biblical narrative, by the way, um, how to think about these categories, how to think about historical moment without, a, a adding to them ideological import without the extra that politician and different demagogue add to it. So, in many ways, it's the role of politician and poet and intellectual to educate us how to read and to educate us, to teach us how to heal, to process, how to process trauma. Because through Certain kind of reading and certain narratives, we can process trauma. We can. The idea is not to overcome it, but to process it, to understand and to to go through the 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 the, the stages that we need to go through in order to come out a, a stronger, more understanding, more a, a empathic. But if politician and demagogues and writers and media continuously feed us with the horror of historical moment with the the distorted reality that uh, they produce what we get is a a, 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 a c- continuously um continuously um a reality that is not only false it's kind of the vulgarization of history, the vulgarization of truth. Kind, it's its always blown out of proportion. It's never, and I'm talking about one word and we're talking about all kinds of narratives. It's all in the same direction because this is the ideological direction. So mythification is very dangerous because it it, it it's not engaged with truth and with right measure. It's engaged with over visibility, of certain kind of moments an over-representation, the dramatization of certain moments, the, the sensationalization of uh, truth, and, and in that sense, ochel meduyag, precise food is what Eli Bachar said. Don't give me patch don't give me what, what gosh, uh, 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 Agnon is uh, wanting in this restaurant, waiting and waiting, and fall asleep, and no one gets it. And it's a very uh, uh, surreal. A story about the the lonely writer who comes to the restaurant and he's he, and he ordered a perfect meal and it never comes. Perfect bread, pat. But um, and 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 and. Uh, uh, Eli Becher said, just give me okel meduya, precise food. I want just to be fine. And I wonder if precise food is exactly what Ruth is getting when she gets a slice of bread from Boaz that function as a, as a precise food. So it's not like the too much bread and seeds of Bethlehem. You know, it's not that. It's not underfed. It's not hunger. It's precise what I need. And that will be, that, that's actually what will make Ali Bacha will be able to die because he asked it 40, 40 days before death. He asked for but this idea of precision, and of course language and they never are precise, but how can we be precise? without being literal and leave space for all kind of allegorical possibilities or leave space for new and more allegorical possibilities and not limit them into one that means one, and this means this, and a kind of automatic dictionary of the chronotype that does not allow any movement from this fixity and frozen interpretive process.
0: How has Israeli literature's relationship with the Bible changed and evolved? Can you comment on different phases and different generations of Israeli literature's relationship with the Bible?
1: Well, I already said that with the Enlightenment, um, I, I already said that Zionism was really kind of incorporating and appropriating biblical narrative into the, 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 the mind of being Israeli, being Zion, being Sabra, kind of reverberating all this greed as a, as a way to uh, uh, create common denominator and imagined community in the land of Israel. So this was very, so so it it, it was done in incredible intensity, excessively. That's what I'm talking about, hebraization. But the Bible was always there, and the Bible was always read, and different uh, 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 writers uh, refer to it and engage in dictionaries and translation, kind of different moments. Um, but I think the Enlightenment uh, uh, introduced certain kind of narratives that were based on the Bible and the biblical imagination, but nothing like. Uh, and I can give example, but I I, uh, um, I would like to um, to focus on the Mizrahi um, reader as uh, in in the end, unless you want me to talk, because I'm 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 talking about the Bible as um, the, there is difference between the Bible as a prayer book and the Bible as a, the, the, the page, you know, the, the part of the Jewish ritual in religious mind, as opposed to the Bible in a secular culture. And the the example that I give of uh, Michal Naaman, um, of this page of yellow page that looks like a school notebook page in which in in pencil on both sides, it's written written very crowded letters. Uh, um, I I want to, um, it says, a land that devours its people. And on the other hand, it says "A, a, a kid in its mother milk, referring to the inhibition of cooking basar and chalav, meat and milk. And it looks so it it look it doesn't look like art, but in 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 actually looks like a child scribbled down to, but it's a big piece of art and she did several reverberation of it and she also have another wall. Paper with Gdiba Chalavimo made with big letters, red, bloody, very connected. Kind of the, the 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 space of the kid and its mother milk together, and the kid and the milk, the mother um, uh, together, and and how actually it is about the sacrifice, and Chalavimo is about uh, uh, the 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 the, um, the 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 child. Uh, that is uh, being uh, uh, the victim of Eretz Ochelet So what I want to say, this is the secular re- re- um, uh, enactment of biblical reading. And you can say biblical readers are the one who sit in the Midrash, in Bet Midrash and study, right? The page every day, there is a day of page, the daily page and all that. This is the daily page of Michal Nehman, in the same way that scholars like me, women, feminists, women who come from a position of a ethnic minority. And that I mentioned the mabara because there is a certain kind of class A formation that even my family was middle class in Iraq in Baghdad. They came to Israel, they had to start a whole new experience of immigration that for my father never lasted. I'm the one who broke it or some of my siblings, but for my father, it was a whole struggle that lasted 20 years. So what I want to say is that people like me, um, the, the the intellectual women who go back to the Bible and try to reinterpret different narratives and to come with new new knowledge and new ideas, is not very different from the old midrashic rabbis you know, who worked with the Bible. We are doing it in a different space, in a different uh, uh, intellectual space. Uh, um, A climate that uh, allows us to incorporate much more uh, ideas, intersections, whatever, you know, that we are bringing to the biblical text. But what I want to say is that there is a certain kind of privileging from Michael Nehman in this text or for the seculars who are dealing with biblical narrative that are re- Uh, thinking biblical and the the, the culture, the trauma, the the benefit, the privileges, uh, everything that these narratives provide us. So in that sense, reading and cultural uh, narrative are so important to not to study how they are being read only, but also how they can be read otherwise. What what are the possibilities of redirecting a uh, uh, very old conventions of reading to uh, 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 um, to, to introduce new ideas that uh, 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 are so critical in our in our culture today? To, uh, to move against the violence of the text, the violence that the text has on us, the, the violence that invested in it by different politicians and ideologies and cultures.
0: What can students of comparative literature who are not Israeli and who are not specialized in Israeli literature, but in other cultural, national, or regional literatures, gain from reading your book? What can students of Caribbean literature, African-American literature, Latin American literature, Canadian literature, or other literatures gain from the insights you present in this book?
1: Yeah. Thanks for the question. I think there's a lot of... uh, It's really critical that um, we'll all go to foundational narratives that have constituted who we are and we think that they are our possession and the fetishistic approach that we have to some narrative and try to breathe air, new air, fresh air, spirited air into them in order to see what else is there. How can we rethink them? how do we, can we inv- invent a new paradigm, especially when it comes to violence, to existing violence, to the invention of the enemy, to the, you know, this animosity between Hagar and Sarah, and to Islam and Judaism, and, and how to uh, 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 reintroduce new paradigms that will not be about binaries and the other is always the enemy. I think it's done in a very small doses, but I think that's what I would like to see. It's like about how to, uh, uh, to, to breathe air to the numbing or to all kind of claims and to all kind of conventions that we don't even dare to rethink them because they're so powerful and they have power over us. So in many ways, this will be uh, liberating and emancipating a, a process of um, to come to it with a fresh eye and not to incorporate the gaze or gazes or or kind of uh, convention that we uh, are educated to think through.
0: What does your book teach us about gender in Israeli literature?
1: Um, I think I want to add about for the other question.
0: Oh, sure.
1: Um, How critical it is to compare. Comparative study as a critical method of thinking. I'm coming from comparative literature, and the virtue of comparing is so important for us. There is a sense that when it comes to trauma, that no one can compare my trauma to others. My trauma is uncomparable, especially the Shoah, the Holocaust, but many other uh, uh, traumas, are, uh, you can never compare them. And not only that you cannot compare them, it took so, so long to be able to articulate them sometimes. And the the horror around trauma is so real and palpable that um, that there is a sense that this is mine. This is like you know, it's it, it, it's it's very much uh, 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 the phantom in the the language of Abraham. Uh, um, but 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 I think this is very dangerous situation because that means that what happened to me is unique and. What happened to me cannot happen again, etc, etc, you know all these. So how to insist to compare on on the level of uh, not just as a method, but on the level of the the, 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 the very uh, 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 essence of what happened and kind of can we compare the Holocaust? I, I know many people don't think that it's comparable, that it's Germany, and even Germans don't want to compare it, Germans, and kind of know that we are we ought to compare because if we can compare it to other genocides and other cases of uh, 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 um, annihilation or kind of mass uh, uh, destruction, mass killing, Uh, we can understand more about human being, we can understand different historical moment, we can understand how it happened, we can understand how this can actually be happening every time, many more time in different cultures. So the horror is not just what happened and the the horrific value of what happened. I think part of the horror in many ways is that uh, uh, that is, if you compare it, you, you know that it can can happen again. And and maybe there is a horror in comparing, I don't know. But, uh, you know, that, oh, if it happened to us, it might happen again. But no, I think it's really critical that we will compare, we'll, we'll develop the paradigm of comparison even further and see how much more we can learn from compar- comparisons and comparative um studies between uh, something that seems totally unrelated Zionists Zionist and 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 and, and, and uh, Palestinians and maybe Rwanda and uh, in Rwanda or in South Africa or in Native American. I'm engaged here in a, a, a project of reconciliation and saying like how can we learn from each other and how we because we don't know enough? and we are stuck so the only way that we can learn and we can move forward is by learning and and seeing what other people did and how they actually negotiated their position not it's not because it's easy because it's a mandatory we should do it it's an imperative of culture
0: thank you what does your book teach us about gender in israeli literature oh, yeah.
1: coming back to gender I have to say, I learned so much from gender in my education, and so my book and all this notion of doing gender and doing Bible is very much connected, like the performative aspect of biblical reading, and reading as a performance, but also reading as an actment, as accumulated process of citation and intertext, you know, that... Continuously, never ending, and how to understand it within the culture, within the tradition—not just tradition of textuality, but tradition of dialogue, intertext, and this kind—with with the my idea of overburden. Um, so this is these are clearly notions that I took from gender and uh, the idea of gender studies and how. Uh, it it is manifested in different contexts. Um, but but I think women uh, uh, are very uh, 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 and minorities uh, figure very critically in my book, uh, whether it's Shelly al Kayama or Shana Shababo and what what do they offer that male readers are lacking or not able to offer? I um, I think in the sense then in the same sense that I say that uh, the Mizrahi are the sub altar in the at the bottom bottom of the altar and they are the the ultimate victim of the the akeda and of culture. I think women are very close there, you know, especially women Mizrahi women that are even. If we do hierarchy of such uh, of vulnerability and investment in culture and desire to be belong, and we understand that all these demands for desire to belong coming from women like uh, Shalil Kayam and uh, um, Michal Neumann and uh, Shababo and uh, other writers. Who is
0: Shoshana Shababo? Can you tell us about her personal story? Can you describe her life, her biography, and her reputation?
1: She's amazing. She was, we're um, going back to the uh, beginning of the 19th century, 20s in Zfat, and the Galilee. Um, she was a prolific writer. She wrote essays. She wrote a novel. She was very subversive. She, one, the, her novel Maria is about escaping a girl, Jewish, Sephardic woman, escaping uh, the, the life in Haifa and getting into the uh, uh, monastery and life with uh, in Christianity. And it's fascinating text. And um, I will, I, 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 I wish it was translated. I think the, the very short section of it is translation, translated in Amiel al-Kalay, Keys to the, Bar, the Garden, which is an amazing book of different interviews and poetry and uh, short um, parts of uh, novels and essays from uh, Mizrahi writers. Um, She was not very uh, well received by the uh, canonic uh, male uh, writers of the time. There was an attempt to um, exclude her, not publish her. um, Some... People valued her work tremendously, but it took many, many years for her book to come out and, and all her collection of work to come up later, I think, in the 70s or 80s.
0: Who is Dr. Shali El-Kayyam? Can you tell us about her life, her biography, and her reputation?
1: Um, Shali El-Kayyam is a very interesting person. She she lives in Jerusalem as she, after her poetry collections, she uh, did her PhD in Jewish thought. So she's doing some work on mystical thinking. She's, uh, her work is, she, she's um, famous for her collection, this, the poetry of the architect or the song of the architect. In Hebrew, Shirah is poetry and singing. So, um, and and how, language and um, it's beautiful, it's a very powerful. she's um, she's actually constructing like if we talk about the the habitat, she's constructing through words her space, her place of living as a poet. And in Hebrew it's easy because um bite, Home and a stanza is the same word, it's bait. So she creates through the stanza, and it's the same in Arabic. So through the stanza, through the words, through the, the production of poetry on these issues of home and the architect singing, the architect producing a home through her collection. So it's a very powerful short short poems uh, correspond with Jewish uh, spirituality uh, and she's very spiritual in her poem in her poetry but also very political and the connection between that as a secular very, very uh, powerful um, presence in the text she was the head of the association of israeli uh, writers she was also in the one of the feminist um, association, feminist gathering of international uh, um, peace uh, um, advocate and peace uh, uh, activity. So she's an activist, a, a scholar a poet, and very powerful voice. And she actually has a wonderful voice. To hear her reading her poetry is beautiful. Who is
0: Albert Suisa? Can you tell us about his life, biography, and reputation?
1: I also mention all of them in the in the book. Albert is um, the guy that I mentioned that wrote the book Bound, the Akud, coming from the neighborhood in Jerusalem. <laughs> the poverty stricken neighborhood and developing the discourse the, the boys discourse teenagers discourse that inspired by biblical characters and biblical text and kind of do reinterpretation i call it street yeshiva uh, because they're like debating different biblical narrative but they are in the street and the the level the 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 the, some some kind of vulgarity that is inserted into the text, and kind of uh, to to lower it intentionally to create this kind of space that uh, bring all these incredible ideas into the level of street culture and how to negotiate this, even if it's vulgar, even if it's obscene, even right with, with especially because of that in this culture, so. Another And unfortunately, many of them are not translated. Shababo and um, el Kayam and uh, Suissa are not uh, translated, but parts, short part of their work, uh, and some poems of Shelly el Kayam are in this collection that I'm saying, Keys to the Garden by Amiel al kalai
0: Is there anything more you would like to add?
1: Um, I want to say that my notion of the breadscape uh, emerged from the reading of this text. And actually, I chose these writers because they were at the forefront of this topic that I was talking about. So I was looking at uh, uh, literature and looking for works that could uh, uh, address issues of biblical narrative that I was interested in and some aspects of it. They're part of this breadscape. That I'm kind of a very abstract idea, to create a theory that is based on the the, the 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 to create a theory that is based on the space of bread. If if we take Kurzweil seriously and say that after Auschwitz, you cannot uh, invite people to uh, you cannot write a poem, but you can uh, you cannot invite people to a feast or to a meal and put bread at the center in eating at the center rather than poetry, and to create a theory that is based on this kind of space of the bread as a greed, as the physical bread, in the case of hunger like root, as the spiritual feeding, as metaphysic, as provision, narrative as provision, kind of, that ground all our... A content of uh, hunger and uh, austerity in the early years of Israel and life in different location different camps different the 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 um, uh, scarcity with the other, Flowing like both, it's like the Eretz, Eretz Zavat the land flowing with Milkenani, and the 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 contradiction that it holds together, this breadscape, and the the bounty, uh, uh, an extra of cultural reservoir, a, 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 a cultural discursive imagine reservoir of culture from which we imagine. Our body, our future, our right within kind of sense. How we are being fed, how we are being provided, what are the elements of this provision? And what does it make us more hungry or less hungry? Does it make us satiated like root? What, what, what are or are we continuously traumatized with these uh, lack of provision or over provision? And how to study these references, and the relationship between them, the cultural references, and the relationship between them in the different intersections, uh, 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 in different moments, different time, and how, what, what, what are they in comparison to other competing discourses? So the bread-scape is is like a laboratory of this kind of, Ideas put together, and to study a culture, and so w- w- what I'm showing is that in the Hebrew, in Hebrew literature and Hebrew biblical literature, we have the, the 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 honey and the milk and the land that can devour us, but we have the bread of Boaz. And we have the 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 Shlema, the perfect bread of agnon, and all the trauma of the Holocaust and real hunger, right? With the body of the Muslim, and we have we have so many um, images and cultural uh, 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 references um, that that bring this bread into the center. Uh, uh, and in 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 when we are now in our history and see and also kind of as a tool to understand what's happening now what's happening now that there is such a desire for a, a religious education for religious political involvement in in the in the government and how what 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 uh, uh, um how uh, the the damage and the, the 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 violence that i'm talking about is being intensified in specific political uh, moments so so this is like where the birdscape is moving um yeah
0: what made you select the specific authors and pieces you did for analysis in this book why these specific choices rather than others
1: well they were so Evocative and so compelling, and they dealt with my subject, like the poem of Dan Pagis, where he cites a land that devours people and a land that of milk and honey, and use them as a as a as a chronotopes Well, very was very important for me, or to 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 create a a, a whole space that will bring all these examples around food about, around. Uh, the scarcity and the 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 overfeeding, both of tenuva of uh, Zionist education, of identification, full identification in narratives and the, in which I we read the Hagada right in. in in, in the, the method of reading as if we came out of Egypt, as if we were in Auschwitz, as if we were kind of level of identification and how these texts in different ways and different in, in different degree um, bring all these issues to the front so I could work with it. There are many others I didn't include and at a certain point I felt like maybe it's over uh, too much. So I had to, go back to the notion of ochel meduyak, of precise food, and not to that uh, Eli Bachar say, and not to overfeed the reader and to be also very uh, 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 subtle in in my uh, analysis and not to overdo it.
0: As we bring our dialogue to a close today, can you tell us about your current research? What are you working on now? as your current study and scholarship now that this book is behind you.
1: Wow, thank you. Um, I I feel like um, I'm still very involved in biblical narrative. Um, I'm working on a, a text that is very difficult to uh, develop, uh, to, to write about, the story of Dinah. And I'm trying to understand the, the what what is at the core of the retaliation of the sons of uh, uh, Jacob. What is um, what is rape in, the first rape in the Bible, and how the Bible deals with it? So I'm very interested in that. And I also um, I, I, I have a, a play that I'm. Um, uh, finishing or I, I finish but I, I still need some work with the director um, that includes some aspect of biblical narrative and some of the conceptualization that I developed in my book in the play in a, a kind of the role of singing, the role of uh, sugar in Israeli culture and uh, the sweetness of um in many ways, the sweetness of uh, language and and the candies of culture. So I have very, very critical, very poetic and powerful.
0: That sounds phenomenal. It sounds like an extraordinary project. I wish you the best of luck in completing it. Thank you for your time today in this conversation. Thank you for this book and its magnificent contribution to Israel studies and to the study of Israeli literature. And thank you for the sacrifice you're investing in your current project on Dina. It sounds incredibly important and necessary.
1: Thank you, Ari. And good luck with your podcast um, production and uh, with everything that you are doing and the opportunity to speak about my book. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. It was my humble honor. As, as we end today, I am your host on the New Books in Israel Studies podcast, Ari Barbalat. Today I have been in dialogue with Dr. Ruth Sofar. She is co-head fellow for the years 2022 and 2023 at the Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at University of Michigan. She is professor of women's and gender studies of comparative literature and of Judaic studies as well at University of Michigan. We've been discussing her new book, Life in Citations, Biblical Narratives and Contemporary Hebrew Culture, published in New York by Routledge, 2020. Thank you.